This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What would you like to get off your chest right now? Are you feeling lonely, unappreciated, or misunderstood? When you keep these feelings bottled up, they can affect you negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and work through whatever is weighing you down. It's a great way to increase your self-awareness, change negative thought patterns, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Be Here Now today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Be Here Now. After experiencing the transformative power of a regular meditation practice, it's natural to feel inspired to share this gift and guide others on their own journey of discovery through meditation. Join Buddhist teacher David Nickturn and Duncan Trussell, comedian and creator of the Netflix animated series The Midnight Gospel, for a free online event on Tuesday, May 7th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. They'll discuss the profound practices of mindfulness Dharma Moon's renowned Mindfulness Meditation Teacher Training Program. Get certified by Dharma Moon to teach meditation, lead group practice sessions, and work with individual students. Visit dharmamoon.com slash be here now for more info and to reserve your spot for the free online event with David Nick Turn and Duncan Trussell. Welcome to the Krishnadas Pilgrim Heart Hour. This podcast is a manifestation of our interconnected lives, and we wish to keep it free at all costs, if you can say that. So, we are dependent on the generosity of you, our listeners. So, please go to mindpodnetwork.com slash kd, and either use the donate button, or just bookmark the Amazon portal. We receive a small percentage of however much you pay for whatever you bought. Nothing extra for you, but a tangible contribution, if small, for us. You could also sign up for a free trial with the voluminous audible.com. We get something out of that, too. We thank you for the support and allowing us to continue presenting Krishnadas's excellent talks. Hello, everybody. I'm David Silver from the MindPod Network. And I'm here to introduce today's Krishnadas talk. He did this one at Princeton University as part of his Heart of Devotion workshop. The vast majority of you already know Krishnadas as the preeminent Kirtan chant master in the U.S., and the people have responded to his call in Kirtans all over the world. You know, you think about it, his masterful use of recognizable chord changes for ancient chants mirrors Krishnadas's simple yet deep, deep take on life. Anyone can do kirtan and raise their spirits in a sweet, really enjoyable way. Krishnadas is very generous in that sense. Krishnadas's generosity is not only shown in his kirtans, but also in his talks. In this talk, and many others, you'll hear no chants, no cant, no ranting, just K.D. being entirely himself. Krishnadas as the lucid articulator of the honest, no-frills, well, dharma, 
where he only speaks of exactly what he himself has experienced in his very special times in India, especially with his guru Maharaji, and also sensitively, poignantly, in a very touching way, talks about his life when his guru entered Mahasamadhi. Krishnadas's highly human and humane stories and candid self-inquiries give this talk a magnetic power, large truths emerging from frankness about the frailties we all have. And you'll notice the total lack of didactic pomp and pride. Chanting was the only way for KD, but even this didn't open up fully as a practice till he felt an unarguably authentic connection between the love he'd experienced with Maharaji and the people right there in front of him singing along at the kirtan. It was, as he says, a peaceful surprise after turbulent, self-inquiring times. KD may be the only musician on earth ever who was actually relieved when he was nominated but did not win a Grammy. Always being introduced as Grammy winner Krishnadas didn't quite resonate with him, and I think it might even have made him think it would despoil the vibe. I've known Katie forever, and he's one reliably straightforward dude. This is really wonderfully reflected in the unpretentiousness and real nature of both his chanting and of his teaching. No histrionics or manufactured drama in Katie's work, and in his way of connecting. He knows full well it's not about him. This is a revelatory and extremely helpful session, Katie at his best, cutting through the nonsense, merging profound sensibility with common sense and true depth. Here's Krishna Das. I've heard you say two things that sort of stuck with me. Okay. The first was that you, you realized that the only way out of your own darkness was to chant with people. Yeah. And then I've also heard you say that those that have said to you, oh, I want to lead Kirtan, and you've said, good luck, because it's going to bring up all of this, you know, stuff. Can you say a little bit more about that? Maybe. Are you a budding Kirtan Wali? Perhaps. Okay. Well, actually, that's not true. Okay. I do do Kirtan, and yes, all of the shit has come up. Good. So I question why you would have wanted to start do that to do that when chanting alone is lovely. <laughs> oh, for me, I wasn't chanting alone. I wasn't doing anything. This was in the lost years of Krishna Das. This is after Maharaji died. And when I was in, towards the end, as it turned out, of this very deep period of self-destruction and negative stuff that I was involved in for many years. And I had this, this uh, epiphany where I was standing in my room in New York and I was feeling very bad. And I realized that uh, if I didn't sing, it wasn't even a, see with me, nothing's positive, okay? So even in this case, it's negative. If I did not sing with people, and it was very much with people, I would not be able to clean out these places in my own, this darkness in my own heart. And the only way I had to do that was to sing with people. There wasn't any other option for me. 
This was, I was drowning, I was up to here, and this was the only rope that was being thrown. I could take it or not take it, but if I didn't take it, right? And that's what was happening. So I took it. And I don't know, have you read the book, my book? Yeah. So it goes, what's that? She says she hasn't? She has. She has. You read it. Very good. You still came here. That's very nice. So, uh, so I started singing with people. I went down to Jiva Mukti. I actually called Dharma Mitra first, but I uh, got Eva on the phone. She didn't know who I was, so... Uh, she said, they, they said they think about it. So then I called Jiva Mukti, who I met, uh, Sharon David, because Jai Utal had been there with his band doing his music, and I had met them. I said, you know, uh, you know I used to be with Maharaji, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder, can I come lead Kirtan? So they said, yeah, you can come on Mondays. I came on Monday, and Sharon and David were sitting there. They had this satsang day, right? where they used to do readings and do questions and answers. And so they let me sing for 20 minutes, and then they went on with their questions. And that went on for about a month. And then I showed up on a Monday, and they weren't there. And I said, where'd they go? They'd gone to India, and they were gone for months. So I just came down every Monday. I was in New York, and I sang for a few hours. Then I came one Monday, and they were back. And it was great. How are you doing? You're great. Okay. Okay. I'm going to start. Okay. And I started singing, but I forgot they were there because I'd been doing this every Monday. And about 45 minutes into it, I went. <laughs> uh, you know, and they kind of looked at each other and went like, good, keep going. So uh, that was Mondays became my night. However, I was singing to save my ass. And my ass needed saving. I couldn't even get through the day. And I didn't have, you know, I was. And um, as I began to sing more and more, I could, more and more people were coming. I had a feeling what was happening, you know, what was going to happen, which is kind of this. And, um, You know, when a person's hungry and you put food in front of them, what's the option? They're going to eat. Even if it's like not their food, they'll find a way to get it. And even if it's not healthy food, if you're hungry enough, you'll eat it. So I saw that as I kept singing with people that I was starting to be seen in a particular way. Whatever way you want to describe that way is up to you. But, and that I was in a, I, I, I recognized that there was a part of me that liked that, being seen as something special. And then I saw that there was absolutely no way in my state of mind that I was then at that time, that I would be able to do this without getting caught in all my own desires and all my own uh, 
um, hungry desires. Because I was hungry. And this was just bringing more food to the table. And I was going to eat until I puked. And I'm going to puke all over the people who brought the food. And that wasn't good. And I, would, I recognized that I would start to use people for my own pleasure, my own selfish pleasures. And that's not what people were coming here for. You know, although some of them were, and that was easy to see. And there was nothing wrong with that, except that wasn't what this was about. So uh, I began to get very upset because here was the one thing, the one medicine that I could take to cure my disease of unhappiness. And I was being prevented from taking it by my own stuff. Can you, you know, can you imagine how that felt? Because this was not, I wasn't making it, okay? You people are making it. You get through the fucking day. I wasn't. I needed to do this to live, right? And I couldn't do it. And it killed me. So I quit. I quit. I said, that's it. I'm not doing it. I am singing to Maharaji. I'm singing to that love. And if I, if I, if I can't do that, then I'm not going to fucking sing at all. Next. So I went to India. This was in... Uh, it's funny. It turned out it was... This, I, 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 spring solstice, 1995. No. Yeah, 95. And um, I would talk to Maharaji. I'd say, you got to fix this. This is your problem. <laughs> I have nothing to do with this. This is your problem. Either you fix this or I don't sing, and that's all there is to it. I'm singing. I said to him, I'm singing to people in your name. I'm talking about love. And all I'm doing is wanting to fuck this one and take this one home. And be seen as somebody really special and puff myself up. That's what I was doing. That's what was happening. And it killed me. I was being prevented from taking, doing the one thing that I had to do that's going to save my fucking ass. And I couldn't stand it. So I left. I quit. I went to India. I hung out with the Tuaris. I hung out with... Long story. It's written pretty well in the book, I think. If you can't stand this, you can read the book. <laughs> so then uh, I said to him, you know, I'd wake up every morning. I said, what's wrong with you? Because you understand. I know Maharaji, and I know he could change it. Something had to change in here, you understand? And I was incapable of changing that. Incapable. I would not, I didn't know how to change that. But I knew he could change it. 
even though he's fucking dead 20 years. I don't give a shit. He can change it. And I was telling him, you have to change this. And nothing was happening. <laughs> Wake up and nothing changed. And I'd say, what is wrong with you? Every day, nothing happened. It really started to piss me off. So, so two and a half months go by, two, more than two months, and I, now we're up in the mountains. We'd been on the plains where it was 120 degrees. It was unbearable, so horrible. It was almost as bad as the way I felt. That's how bad it was. We got up to the, to the mountains, and we stayed at the Tuari's house for a while and started to cool off from being in the plains, and we went to Kenchi, the temple. We went to see Siddhima. And she looked at me and she said, what are your plans? And I said, well, I've been here like two months. I think I'm going to go home in a couple of weeks, which would have been the beginning of, the beginning of June. Yeah, June, like June. And I said, I'm going to go home like June 1st. And she looked at me and she goes, no, you have to stay till the 15th of June when there's this big bandara or ceremony, celebration of the opening of the Hanuman temple there. It was opened on June 15th, uh, 1960 something. And every year on the 15th they have a big feeding, people come, it's a great thing. I said, you have to stay till June 15th. She said to me, you have to see Maharaji's big form. I thought, what? What'd she say? Maharaji's big, what's she talking about? But, so I went and called my answering service, and nobody was looking for me, so. <laughs> Next day I said, okay, I'll, I'll stay. So then after a week or so, I moved into the temple, and I was just there in the temple. Now, in the old days in the temple, there were no lights in the whole valley. There was like little, a couple little bulbs. Most, most of the houses hardly had electricity in the valley. Was, at night, it was quiet, dark, and you could see the stars in the sky were unbelievable. You actually could hear them, the shooting stars, they'd go like this. It was amazing. And I used to lie on the roof and watch, you know, this is when Maharaji was alive, when I was in the temple with him. So now it's, you know, June 1995. And he's been gone from the body 20 years already, 22 years. So, and now there's lights everywhere, right? You know, cars, lights, there's so many more houses in the valley. It's completely different. But there's one spot in the back of the temple where the lights don't kind of reach, you know? We can still see the night sky. And every night I would go to this place and I'd look up at the sky and the stars and I'd say, what are you doing? I'm leaving in two weeks and you haven't done anything yet. What's up? This is your problem. Okay? Good night. And I wake up the next day, nothing. Every day, the same. So, I think it was probably the night of the 14th. I went out there, and now I have to, the, then 
15th is when the ceremony is, and on the 16th or 17th, I'm leaving, right? And that's it. So I go out there on the night of the 14th, and I say, what are you doing? I'm leaving in a couple of days, and you haven't done anything yet. What's the story? I know you can do it if you want to, so what's, what, why haven't you done it? I don't understand. So, first notice, you have to notice, this man is completely crazy. He's talking to a dead man who he thinks can do something for him, right? Completely out of his mind. So that's, you have to recognize that to start with. So I say, what is it, you know? Then I just kind of took a deep breath and I said, well, if you're not going to do it, what can I do? I can't make you do it. All right, I'll go back, I'll sing. How bad can it be? Good night. Now, in retrospect, and retrospect is so much fun. In retrospect, that was the moment of surrender. That's when I said, all right, no matter what, I'm going to go back, I'll sing. How bad could it be? I'll deal with it. That was the moment that changed everything. That's the moment I accepted myself as I am. And boy, it wasn't easy. But he wasn't going to do it, so what am I going to do? You can't force him, right? He's not going to do it, he's not going to do it. No matter how much I jump up and down, he's not going to do it. Next morning, I wake up, and I, I'm going down to sing with my favorite group at Kirtan Wallace. And now, here's another little subplot, okay? I had brought with me my red dress, the dress that I always, the, the long shirt that I used to wear in the old days when I was with Maharaji. But in my mind, I said to myself, I am not going to wear that thing unless he tells me to somehow or unless Siddhima asks me. And like a couple of three times while I was in the temple, Siddhima would introduce me to some people and say, oh, this is Krishnadas. He, you know, he, knew, he was here with Maharaji. He used to wear a red dress. And I, would, I was waiting for and why don't you wear it anymore? You know, she never, she stopped right there every time. She never said, any, you know, why don't you wear it? She never said that. She just said, oh, he used to wear this red ulfi, it's called. And then not wearing it, right? So I come out of my room that morning, and I'm on my way halfway down to where the kirtan walas are. And I said, I stopped. And I said, Krishadas, you are such a fucking asshole. Go put your fucking red dress on. You want to wear it? Go put it on, goddammit. <laughs> and that was a direct quote. So I turned around and went back up in the room. I put my red dress on and I went down to sing kirtan with the guys. And all these people are in the temple who don't, aren't usually there. They're lining up for the, for the feeding, you know, for the, the bandar. And they were all turning and looking at this big white monkey with the red dress. <laughs> so I sing with the guys for a couple hours. I come back, I take a shower. And now Ma has come up to the back of the temple. And she was sitting above these steps. So what is, people would come in. People were lined up for like 10 miles on the road. The, the cars were stopped. The roads were closed. 80,000 people came to the temple that day and got fed. So I, was, uh, so I went to stand by her. 
she and the other ma, Chotima, was sitting there, and people, and I was standing like by them on the steps, kind of below them. And after the people took a meal, they would come down these steps and they would pranam tama and go and go home. They were coming in one way and going out this way, right? So I stood there for a couple of hours, and just all these people going by, and I began to notice something very unusual was happening. I was beginning to feel peaceful. It was so obvious that even I noticed it. <laughs> and I went, wait, what is this? I feel peaceful. I'm not peaceful. But I felt peaceful. And as the day went on, this peace kind of spread out and got bigger and deeper and wider. And, um, okay, just to make a, a long story, just a little shorter, um, something that day, uh, something in me changed. And I, I, I want to say this in a way that it makes sense, even though I it doesn't make sense to me, but I, I saw very clearly that, at least as far as the chanting goes, okay, it wasn't about me at all. It wasn't about me at all. And all the adoration and the affection and attention that people were, that was coming to me, it wasn't directed at me at all that it, people wanted, they didn't want me. They might have thought they wanted me, but they wanted connection. The connection to this thing that's coming through. That's what you want. That's what I want. It wasn't about me. I saw it completely clearly. And that moment of seeing that and experiencing that changed everything. And I was able to come back and sing 100% of the usual 3%. <laughs> okay, 4%. And I didn't have to hold back and worry that what's going on here and is it too much, is it too much, blah, 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 all, all the, blah, 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 blah. It disappeared, it went away. It was no longer my problem. It wasn't about me. And... Um, I am singing to get into and deepen the, my awareness of the presence of that love. And that's what I want. And that's what I do. And I don't give a fuck about the Grammys. <laughs> I'm happy I didn't won, win. I really am. I hope you believe that. Because if I had won, won, You'd be sitting here with a Grammy winner. <laughs> and I wouldn't let you forget it. <laughs> but you're sitting with a fucking loser. Thank you. I'm so happy. I'm joking, but there's truth in it, too. 
It just wasn't about me anymore. It wasn't about me. I experienced that myself. So uh, it freed me from taking all this personally. You can do what you want. You can take it personally. I don't care if you think it's me. That's your problem. But that's okay. Enjoy. I don't think it's about me. So that's why I can do it. And that's why when I do it, it's what it is. I can't pretend it's not what it is either. That wouldn't be right. This is this guy coming through. That's what it is. It's that love. That's who he is. And it's nothing else. Except the little bits of me like hanging on for dear life around the edges. But we don't give a shit about that. So it's a practice. If you do it, it'll work. But if you're not doing it for yourself, good luck. And if you are doing it for yourself, good luck. And only you know. So that was grace. Maharaji, he saved me. Because really, this was the only thing that was going to save me, was chanting. And I wasn't going to be able to do it. I wasn't going to, you know, who knows what it would have been, but I, w- I wouldn't, I was stubborn and prideful, and I wouldn't let myself do it in that state of mind. Maybe if I had, or could have, it would have been just the same. But I couldn't, because that's who I am. I needed something, I needed to see where it was coming from again in order to be able to do it. And he showed me. And that's why we're all here today, because of his grace. Um, So I wanted to ask, uh, I guess, when you're chanting or, um, I guess, practicing meditation or, like, even looking at, like, a piece of art or listening to music, um, something that, I guess, would move you, how do you know that you are really being moved, that it's a real experience, that it's genuine and sincere versus, like, sort of, like, it's, um, you're kind of lying to yourself or it's kind of like you're faking it? How do you know the difference? I don't. <laughs> and I don't even care. Um, um, chanting is not chanting, meditation, asana practice, all those other things are not about manipulation of emotions. It's not about getting off or coming down. It's not about, uh, uh, what's that word with the C? Great Buddhist word. It's not constricting. Concentration. Huh? Concentration. No, not that one. Anyway, it's not about manipulating yourself to have an experience. When you look at a piece of art and it goes, ah, and you go, oh, that's not manipulation, that just happened. But then you might really look at it, keep looking at it, in the hopes that you'll get more ah. And that's kind of manipulation. But what if you, if you don't like the second time, would that mean that the first time was like fake? Or what, how would you interpret that? How would you? 
Because it's the same thing and you're the same person. How can you have completely different experience? Um, sometimes you feel like a nut, sometimes you don't. <laughs> Who the fuck knows? <laughs> One day you look at a picture and it goes, whoa, and the next day you look at a picture and it's just another picture. I don't know. You know? Uh, shit happens. Uh, you know, enjoy, don't overthink. You know, enjoy. I agree, I agree, but I also value sincerity a lot, that's all. That's, I just wanted to ask to see what you might You think. seem to be sincere in your, uh, in your uh, investigation of sincerity. <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't be so fucking sincere. <laughs> Enjoy. Okay, sounds good. Enjoy. Don't be so sincere. Being too sincere means that there's a place in you also that says, I don't give a fuck. And that's where that need to be good comes from. And to be uh, need to feel like a good person. You don't really feel good about yourself. So you want to feel like a good person. You want to be sincere. There must be a place in you that doesn't feel sincere. And that's no more right than anything else or wrong. It's just the need to be on one side of it means that you're also on the other side of it. If you're in the middle, neither one would matter that much. So try to see where it's coming from. What are you afraid of, you know? There might be like a turned off place in you that uh, doesn't get moved, is kind of a little angry, doesn't want to be moved. So you, 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 you contrive, contrive, see? What a good. So you can contrive yourself into this feeling of being sincere because you, you feel it's not so easy, really. So it's, you know, if we look, we'll see, but we don't like to look. No, but nothing, we can't hide from ourselves for long. You look in the mirror long enough, you see everything. And guess what? Everything is a mirror. Everything around us, people, are always showing us all different things about ourselves. Once we get over all the reactions, we can, we can see. And that's what chanting, what these practices do. They, they, they train us, they, they put us in the mode of letting go of the reactions so that we can experience what is happening. And that happens under the thought level. It's not about thinking it. it the more you do the practice, the, the more deeply you sit in yourself, just naturally, without manipulation or contrivance. So speaketh. Thank you for listening to the Krishnadas Pilgrim Heart Hour. We really appreciate your support and hope you'll continue that support by going to mindpodnetwork.com kd and clicking on the donate button or using our amazon.com portal for all of your purchases. Thank you. Namaste.
This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What would you like to get off your chest right now? Are you feeling lonely, unappreciated, or misunderstood? When you keep these feelings bottled up, they can affect you negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and work through whatever is weighing you down. It's a great way to increase your self-awareness, change negative thought patterns, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash be here now.